The key determinant of clawback enforceability is whether the company has insisted on execution of robust clawback provisions as part of the executive's contract and bonus terms. If the bonus payment is at the discretion of the employer, the company has to make sure to condition any bonus payment on detailed and clear clawback provisions that include a specific and affirmative certification by the executive that he or she is not engaged in any misconduct, nor are they aware of any employee who has engaged in any misconduct. Global companies face unprecedented risks and challenges in today's economy. To mitigate these legal and economic risks, companies are rapidly embracing and elevating the importance of robust ethics and compliance programs to promote positive corporate citizenship. On Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, you'll hear from industry leaders and insiders about how to create effective ethics and compliance programs that will mitigate risks and maximize financial performance. Here's your host, Michael Volkoff. Hello, everyone. Michael Volkoff here, and we're back to talk about compliance compensation systems. Ever since DOJ's announced revisions to the corporate enforcement policy and its evaluation of corporate compliance programs, both of which stress the importance of compensation systems and consequence management. So we're going to do two sessions. The first session here is going to be on compliance compensation systems, and next week, we're going to talk about consequence management. The reason I wanted to focus on this is I'm not seeing much activity in this area in terms of companies sort of engaging in some kind of review of its compliance compensation system. And I think that's a mistake. And I think it's something that should be viewed and should be fixed. The theoretical underpinning of DOJ's expanded focus is to increase the consequences to individuals who engage in misconduct or supervisors who turn a blind eye to misconduct. So individuals already face potential prosecutions for engaging in misconduct, but the prospect of such prosecutions can be too remote at times to dissuade bad actors. So DOJ wants to add to their risk calculation, and that's requiring companies to implement compliance compensation programs that include financial penalties against those actors who engage in misconduct or supervisors that fail to rein in their underlings or conduct proper oversight to ensure compliance. Now, a compliance compensation system works hand-in-hand with a consequence management system, which includes an effective internal investigation program, tracking employee reporting and disciplinary data, to ensure consistent disciplinary measures and the conduct of a root cause analysis. So DOJ has mandated that companies implement a compensation, and I would focus primarily on clawbacks. Many companies have existing policies on clawbacks, but they may apply, for example, only to senior executives in the C-suite, and they may apply for only a variety of conduct. Sarbanes-Oxley authorized the SEC to order the clawback received by a CEO or CFO when the company has to restate its financial reporting because of misconduct. Now, Dodd-Frank required the SEC also to direct stock exchanges to require listed companies adopt a written clawback policy where the company had to restate financial earnings because of accounting misconduct. Last year, it only took 10 years the SEC finally issued the regulations requiring the adoption of clawback policies. So 
Let's look at compliance rewards, though, as part of a compliance compensation system as well. This is an essential tool to reward compliance and penalize individuals who commit misconduct when you look at rewards and punishments in a compliance compensation system. To reward compliance, companies have to create positive incentives to reinforce compliant behavior and the satisfaction of compliance program requirements. For example, individual executives or managers may have to satisfy specific compliance requirements, such as promoting the company's ethics and compliance program at new employee orientations or staff meetings, conduct of training programs, completion of career development compliance training, speaking at ethics week events, and other possible participation and events that they can promote the compliance message. And these are just illustrative examples because executives and managers could be required to satisfy a variety of tasks or functions. Now, an executive or manager could be eligible for incentive payments and or bonuses only, and this is where DOJ wants to see companies go, only if the executive or manager satisfies the specified requirements designed to advance the company's compliance program. And we've seen that adopted by various companies like Novartis in response to their legendary misconduct of the kickbacks in the domestic market and bribery in the foreign markets. They adopted a program where no one was eligible unless they satisfied the compliance program requirements, and only then would they receive a bonus. Now, the specific standards and the mechanics of this can be refined through compliance measurements and benchmark guidelines, but the design of the incentives requires a careful balancing and evaluation process developed collaboratively by the business, human resources, legal, and compliance. Annual performance reviews for executives, managers, and employees should incorporate at a minimum compliance factors as part of the overall performance review process. Now, on the flip side, we talked about penalties and to offset positive incentives, companies have to design and apply a compliance penalty that can be imposed against executives and managers. The penalty system has to hold individuals accountable to classifications, those that engage directly in misconduct and those who, quote unquote, contribute to misconduct through supervisory negligence or failure to respond to red flags. As defined by DOJ, companies have to use retroactive discipline through imposition of these financial penalties, typically through clawbacks or some other deferred compensation systems with restricted stock units, let's say, that vest over time or a partial escrow of a benefit. While this may sound good on paper, any retroactive system has to be carefully crafted set forth in accurate and comprehensive terms so that there is no or little room for litigation and defenses against litigation where the company seeks to enforce these restrictions and penalties. So there are essential questions that companies have to resolve. First, what level of executives and managers to apply the compliance penalty system to, including clawbacks and deferred compensation programs? In most cases, companies will apply the program to executives and omit managers from the program because the sheer number of, let's say, managers and the complexity of such a broad system would be quite burdensome. Second, companies need to examine the overall incentive structure to determine what percentage of executives shall be subject to the penalty program and the percentage penalty to apply to such executives. 
Third, companies have to assess every senior executive category and identify other incentives and disincentives. For example, under the SEC mandated program, senior executives have to be subject to clawbacks in the event of a financial misstatement or restatement. And that does not depend upon whether or not it was intentional, knowing, even reckless, just that it happened. And they have to be subject to those clawbacks under the regulations. In addition, DOJ mandated consideration of large contingent payouts to executives and the need to integrate ethical performance requirements. In the context of the overall incentive structure, companies have to isolate and weigh incentives and bonus structures to make sure that they can still target accountability penalties commensurate with the risk posed by the executive if he or she engages in misconduct. Now, in terms of a clawback policy, companies that implement and enforce a clawback policy can face real difficulties and costs. Executives may challenge application of the policy, and companies have to adopt a clear and detailed written policy and include specific, well-crafted language in employment agreements and incentive compensation plans. To reinforce the clawback provisions, companies need to have employees execute representations that the individual has not engaged in any misconduct and that the executive is not aware of any misconduct committed by any employee. Now, let's talk about how you enforce a clawback and compensation penalty provision. Senior corporate executives typically receive significant bonus and reward payments. With refinements in corporate governance structures, though, executives' bonuses in the form of large bonuses and stock incentives are usually subject to clawbacks for misconduct. The Wells Fargo scandal is an example of how clawbacks can be effectively used to punish wrongdoing. In the aftermath of the Wells Fargo sales incentive scandal and fraudulent accounts, Wells Fargo clawed back $75 million in compensation consisting of pay and stock grants from the former CEO, John Stumpf, and Kerry Tolstat, the former head of Wells Fargo's community banking business. Wells Fargo's board found that Stumpf turned a blind eye to the fraudulent accounts incentive program and that Tolstat was responsible for creating the sales targets program and withheld information from her chain of command at the board level. Last year, the SEC imposed the requirement to establish mandatory clawbacks, I mentioned of bonuses, where the company had to issue a financial restatement of earnings, even if the restatement was relatively minor and without regard to whether the executive knew or should have known that their conduct would result in a restatement. And companies have to adopt a clawback policy that applies to those bonuses or other incentive compensation systems for a three-year period preceding the date that the issuer is required to prepare a financial restatement. Now, we also have a DOJ criminal division pilot program, and under that, DOJ will provide a credit to any fines imposed in an enforcement action equal to the amount of compensation the company is attempting to claw back from culpable executives. If successful in securing a clawback, a company will be able to keep the money it recovers. So aside from Wells Fargo, global companies have increased the use of these programs and have been more aggressive in seeking recovery of these bonuses. Most bonus programs are paid under some kind of deferred incentive plan, and executives may be given an incentive to achieve certain targets or performance factors. And the common scenarios for clawbacks involve situations where a company paid a bonus on the basis of a performance 
that was later found to be overestimated or during a specific period of time after the bonus was paid, a specific misconduct incident occurs, thereby triggering a clawback. And an employer discovers that a bonus was paid at a time when the employee was in breach of his or her duties, which would have excluded the executive from the bonus payment. The key determinant of clawback enforceability is whether the company has insisted on execution of robust clawback provisions as part of the executive's contract and bonus terms. If the bonus payment is at the discretion of the employer, the company has to make sure to condition any bonus payment on detailed and clear clawback provisions that include a specific and affirmative certification by the executive that he or she is not engaged in any misconduct, nor are they aware of any employee who has engaged in any misconduct. So clawback provisions have to be drafted with extreme care and avoid some common pitfalls that may enable the executive to wiggle out from under the penalty. The terms of bonus clawback provisions have to be objective and reasonable. In crafting the clawback provisions, the company has to avoid that the clawback does not disproportionately penalize the executive, given the nature of the misconduct, or operate as an unreasonable restraint of trade. But ultimately, the enforceability of the clawback will depend on the clarity, the language used, the lack of ambiguity, and the securing of certifications and attestations. So companies need to exercise real care in the design of the program since bonus payments and deferred compensation programs are very important to luring talented senior executives to companies. And those companies need to balance the need for appropriate accountability while ensuring that companies can attract and retain talent. Executives who are punished by clawbacks often litigate the claims that they were entitled to the bonus and were singled out or unfairly punished by the clawback. And to the extent a clawback is imposed solely based on discretionary factors, the risk of litigation is likely to increase. It's better to include targets so that you can eliminate claims of abuse of discretion or somehow other issues were motivated the employer and the management, ultimately the leadership to seek the clawback. Anyways, just some important points to take a look at as you look at your compliance rewards system and your punishment systems to make sure that you have the proper alignment of incentives and disincentives for your company's risk profile. The other important point is to always remember it requires collaboration among and across various important functions the businesses, finance, legal, and HR for obvious reasons. Okay, everybody, we'll see you next week. We're going to be talking next week about consequence management systems. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is by subscribing on your favorite listening platform. To learn more and connect with Michael Volkov, go to volkovlaw.com. 